Hello and welcome to a special bonus episode of the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this bonus episode, I am joined by the founder and CEO of Trini London, Trini Woodall. It has been three years since Trini's last visit to Australia and her last appearance on the podcast. So I headed to her suite on her most recent trip to catch up on three years worth of beauty and business and for Trini and I to do our skincare routines together, which you can see on my TikTok. Since we last caught up, Trini has launched an entire skincare range, which she trialed on a whopping 3,600 women ahead of its launch to test and perfect the range. A major topic of conversation in our last episode was the strength of the Trini tribe, which Trini explains really transformed into an even stronger support network for its members over the last couple of years and now consists of 34 tribes in 16 countries. Last month saw Trini open two Trini London pop-ups, one in Doncaster and one in Bondi, the openings of which served as an opportunity for Trini's Australian tribes to finally come together in person. In this conversation, Trini shares just what makes the Trini tribe so strong, the gap she aims to fill in the skincare space, and what we can expect to see next from the brand. The last time that we spoke, we went through the whole career journey. We went from, I mean, just everything up to Trini London coming to be. So we don't need to do that. I would just love to catch up on the last three years. Mm -hmm. One of the things we talked about last time was social media and how the way that you use your platform, obviously none of it is scripted. It's not airbrushed. None of it is contrived. You're sharing a lot, but at the same time, you're still obviously out there living life, which mm-hmm. is something we couldn't really do for the last two years. So I would love to know, how has your relationship with social media changed in the last couple of years, if at all? It hasn't. I mean, yeah. I think that, you know, I started social media in 2015. Mm-hmm. I started doing videos in 2016. I think a lot of people, when they did social media, did flat lay and then they yeah. did a video occasionally, mm-hmm. you know, and it kind of, we had IGTV for a bit yes. and now we got real. So there is an evolution of how the algorithm of Instagram and other social platforms will change according to what kind of content you're posting. Mm-hmm. I think for me, I've always been better to be talking rather yeah. than still images. And I don't love weirdly having my picture taken, so I much prefer to be chatting. Mm. And I think you also get an ability to engage more instantly you get an ability to engage more instantly and so during lockdown definitely I was sharing things that I felt other women might have been going through because I thought I'd like to feel I'm not the only one and then Mm. other women feel I'm not the only one and that's incredibly reassuring for other women and it's just a great platform to do it on and we have the Trini tribe which has actually grown organically through Facebook over the last four years and started by a woman in northwest England called Kelly and she started a little sort of fan page and then we launched Trini London and other people joined it and then we had these fragmented pages on Facebook that were fan pages they all took a little bit of our logo or a picture of Mm. me or a bit of yellow and we said look do you want to just you know, have a logo for this thing you're calling the Trini tribe. So we designed them a logo. And, and now there's 34 tribes in 16 countries around the world. And there are, I think, I don't know how many thousand there are in um, Australia. I think it's like, how many thousand Trini tribes are there in Australia? Are there like 
10,000. Or... Yeah. Wow. Um, Victoria's like about 5,000. So it's very interesting because that was a place where, you know, the platforms of TikTok is a one-way platform. Yeah. Instagram is a one-way, nearly two-way platform with DMs. Facebook is a very two-way platform. Mm. And also it enables, if you have groups, for people to post things to a group page, mm. which you can't do on Instagram. So we sort of said, do you feel that during lockdown you kind of are – you know, you're always somebody f for somebody else. You're something for somebody else. So you, you're one person for your mother, for your son, for your mm. sister, for your brother, for your boss, for your partner. You know, we we kind of then have so little to think, what's us in the middle yeah. there? And who do we want to be today? And mm. it's a big question. We can ask ourselves at any stage in our life, who do we really want to be today? Not what other people want us to be. And that call to action meant that those pages grew and grew during lockdown because there were people who just thought, I need a place I can go to and just, mm. just be me. Or just, you know, you split up with somebody and you think, or you move town, you think, I just want to, I want to find a new version of me. And you can test it out. Mm. And then you just see what people, they sort of, you get surprised by how people go Yelp or it's just I do love social media for, for the ability to do that. Mm. When it's used in that way, it's, mm. it's a beautiful thing. I did want to ask about the Trini tribe because we, we spoke about that last time and even pre-pandemic, that was such a supportive community. That mm. is, that's a group of people who have become friends digitally. Yeah, I would love to know, I mean, this might be a difficult question to answer, but given you were at Bondi a matter of days ago, you popped into Doncaster last night. Mm -hmm. What is that feeling like? All of these people who have been communicating solely online for a period of time mm -hmm. coming together, that must be... It's kind of amazing. Yeah. We have an event at Doncaster on Saturday night, which mm. is an actual Trini-type event, but yesterday I went to Doncaster and I just popped up and there were actually hundreds of people there. Uh, and some of them came up and said, oh, I am at Adele, you know, so they gave mm. me their social media, media handle. And although we do have about 11,000 comments a week from our social media platforms, there are certain women 11, who, yeah, who, oh. who comment mm. a lot on posts. So I do remember their yeah. handles and then they say, I'm this handle. And then I think, yes, my God, that's you, you know, and, and we see this tiny little picture and usually I wouldn't go onto their feed and see who they are because I'm mainly just going through things on my feed. Mm. And then it's bring them to life and they have a whole story to tell and they tell that story to me. And so we just, you know, we had lots of stories yesterday. And, and very, it's interesting, the women here, because I was trying to describe the difference somebody between like Bondi Junction in Sydney and Doncaster here. And I remember when I came years ago and I was doing a Westfield tour mm. and, you know, some I sort of wanted us to go to Chadston and they said, yeah, but the Westfield's at Doncaster. But then I... Went to Donkton and I thought, that is our kind of woman. Mm -hmm. Because it's the kind of woman who juggles a lot in her life, doesn't always have access to every single thing. Mm -hmm. uh, things can be a really considered decision, like to invest in something. And we want that woman not to be like, I could buy 10 things, what shall I buy? We want that woman to think it's really, like, and there were a lot of women there who came up and they were, I really want to, and I bought one thing now. And I go, buy one thing a month. Don't, you know, just slowly bring it in your life mm. and that's a woman who's every woman is a joy to help but when you help a woman who doesn't have as many tools at her disposal mm. it's far more gratifying yeah i can imagine mm. it, it really be. is tell me about the pop-ups we know that there is a trini london pop-up at bondi we know yeah. there's one at doncaster mm -hmm. 
What can people expect? How long are they there for? At the moment, they're there for six months, but we have it on a rollover. So I, you know, it's all about, there's obviously that immediate kind of ecstatic welcome. And then you've got to see what does that go into as a business? And is it sustainable to have those two? I think it actually is because we really have a an amazing uh, following in Australia and we have a very engaged woman. So I kind of feel we'll always have something there. Yeah. The idea we have a kiosk in the middle of a shopping mall and not a shop. I've also fallen in love with that idea and it's the first time we've done it anywhere in the world because in New York we're in Saks, which is very sort of neat and prestigious. Yes. In London we're in Fenwick where we have our own stand which is chaotic and fabulous but it's within a department store. So the idea you're in the middle of a thoroughfare which for our team who work there is a far more stressful environment because when you're in a shopping mall and people are coming up all the time from every side of you, you know, it's not like yeah. your back is against a wall. You're, you're on for you know, you have a shift, but you're on for eight, ten hours, mm. eight hours. And so I'm going to see how the team are, you know, and how that's for them. Because also at the moment when people come up, they all know more than the team. But I remind the team, you're better makeup artists. You yeah. know more about skincare. So they might say, I want you to put wisdom on me or chariot because they know all the names because they follow my social media for ages. But remember to remind yourself, you're the expert. So, yeah. And also it's great I've met you. So when they're going on and on about all the things they know you can mm -hmm. say yes when I was speaking to Trini last week and she yes. said you know and I think just I want to give them that ammunition in mm. their arsenal because it's quite intimidating even mm. for an experienced makeup artist in retail to have the sort of the passion and momentum of a Trini tribe customer yes <laughs> it's quite full-on yeah but I also think if they really felt like, okay, I know everything that there is to know, they would just be buying it online. So for yeah. them to physically be coming to the pop-up, they want to learn something. So true. So hmm. true. Yeah. And they want to see it in person. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk product. Mm -hmm. The general consensus over the last couple of years has been everyone got very into their skincare, which mm -hmm. we will get to. And now that we are out and about living life again, people are having more fun with their makeup. So I would love to know what is your take on all of that? What are you seeing as far as the way people's approach to beauty is shifting? I think with makeup, mm -hmm. uh, people went from – certain audiences went from – wearing a tried and tested makeup to going into lockdown and thinking, do I need to put it on today? Mm -hmm. Let me just shove on a red lip. Other audience went from caking and baking to nothing and track, you know, trackies mm -hmm. and sweatpants and Crocs at home. And then thinking when they came out, maybe I don't want to have that really heavy base on anymore. Yeah. So actually discovering for the first time brands like ours, where I think we were one of the originators in having you know, skin tints and not so much yeah. foundations. Things for us are a, a, a serum, mm -hmm. you know, or they're a tinted serum. Mm. And their skincare ingredients are the things that we start with when we develop a formulation and then at the end we put in the pigment. So a lot of skin tints are just about the pigment yeah. and the oil and water base. So for us, it's a slightly different, why don't you actually put good ingredients in your skin as you give it an overall evenness? Mm. Um, and I think that there is that, I want to be me, you know, it's like yeah. before lockdown, it was like, hey, be Mal Clooney, be uh, Penelope Cruz, be, you know, Jennifer Lawrence, be whoever. And now it's like, hey, I've spent two years getting lost. So can yeah. I just try and be me now? Yeah. And so I do feel we resonate with, a, in fact, a bigger customer base than we did before in terms that there are quite a few people of different generations thinking, I just want to find out who I am and actually get that look and mm. feel comfortable with it. I think that's a feeling a lot of people can relate to 
I certainly have had makeup artists do my makeup and then I'll look in the mirror and I'm like, I don't I don't look like me anymore. But yeah. I think a lot of people who aren't getting their makeup done all the time think, oh, I'm just not used to it. But Were you, you ever a makeup artist? God, no. No, but you do very good eyes. I'm looking at eye makeup Yeah, now. because I'm wearing fortune. Queen and Fortune. You are. Yeah. I know. I was thinking those are ours, aren't they? Because your eyes look really good and that's why they would be looking good. You recommended them to me three years ago yeah. and then I've since repurchased yeah. because it takes three and a half seconds for me to go Yeah. Done. And they last two years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they they're amazing. Yeah. But I th- yeah, I think people get their makeup done and they think, oh, you know what, I'm the problem. I'm just not used to this. But if you don't feel amazing mm-hmm. in your makeup, then how are you to go about your day yeah. getting stuff done? Yeah, I agree, totally. Mm. Let's talk product launches. Mm-hmm. There's been a bit on the last couple of years. I yeah. would love to talk skincare. Firstly, why skincare? What was the gap that you were looking to fill? I think I've always been obsessed with skincare, probably even more than makeup, because when I had very bad skin, I mm-hmm. was always trying different brands, and, and that has been going on for 40 years. Mm. <laughs> so I've tried really every single brand, and from 1978, you know, finding Clinique in, in yeah. a store in New York to, you know, all the... I think I think skincare has gone in decades, and I think mm-hmm. we had in the sort of... 70s we had the Estee Lauder then babies like um, things like Clinique the 80s were sort of spa brands Marcia Kilgore Mm. coming into play the 90s were about the sort of emerging of the doctor's brands you know Peter um, Roth Dennis Gross Dr. Seabag I think the noughties were those sort of challenger small brands singulating out ingredients in the 2010s Mm. like Inky and The Ordinary Mm -hmm. which then got to a stage where there was so much that you didn't understand what it did. Yep. So I think we got to a stage of paradox of choice and confusion, even though there are much better ingredients than there have ever been on the market, mm. which you can put into skincare, which can actually move the dial mm. and the levels of ingredients have changed. So I felt there was that gap to give women an opportunity to demystify skincare, to give them a sense of what does it mean to have a routine, not to overlay your skin with the wrong products, to work out what ingredients you should use. So I, I sometimes do the shout out on a Wednesday, I do a skincare live mm. on Facebook. And I say at the end, you maybe can't afford our products, but do the match to me on skincare on Trinity London to see what ingredients should be going on your skin. Mm. So, you know, put in, and I use 3,600 women to work out that skincare. Mm. So... We know that every woman is very different, but we can just use similar products, but only on different nights, different amounts, different ways we put it on our skin, different ways we layer it. 3,600 is so many, but that doesn't surprise me because I remember discussing when you were doing color matching mm-hmm. when you first launched. And there are like 3,400, funny yeah. enough, of different skin, hair and eye combinations. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, in no are, way am yeah, I surprised. Yeah, by it's how so true. You have a good memory. Been. Yeah. Yeah. How has the the formulation process differed with skincare compared to the color cosmetics? Fundamentally different because you're going into far more active ingredients. Yeah. And when you're formulating, and I knew the categories, you know, I knew I wanted to really look at how we can change cleansing. I knew I wanted to separate out acids. Mm. I knew I wanted to have singular ways of looking at what are the serums I need instead of antioxidant. I mean, antipoxidant, you don't know what it means. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in hydration, that it should be more than a moisturizer. Mm. So for me, it was about what's the hero ingredient and what friends does it like in its formulation? Because some hero ingredients don't like many friends, like retinols, don't love vitamin Cs. It yeah. degrades both of them. They're not bad with a vitamin F or with some algae, but you know, they don't have many friends. Acids have no friends. They only like other acids. So, mm. you know, how you mix your acids or put things in. Some some 
little bits of kind of probiotic kind of thing, maybe. Cleansing, lots of probiotics, great. So then for me, I knew the balm. I knew balming, cleansing is about texture. It's yeah. about how much it doesn't leave a film on your skin. It's about how much it cleans your skin. Mm-hmm. It's about balms to me. I don't like that stay balms. They need to transform. So ours transforms to pineapple, with pineapple enzyme. The mm-hmm. enzyme breaks down the balm. It becomes milky. So you, you get dream. it off your skin. Mm-hmm. And then I think having an acid cleanser, a lot of acid cleansers might be a glycolic, and I don't like glycolic. I used to use glycolic years yeah. ago, but I think glycolic is a very, very um, abrasive AHA, and it's a surface irritant. Mm. So, and also it's sugar-based acid, yeah. and I kind of have a thing about sh- just sugar in the skin and the mm-hmm. glycation of sugar, and I've just, I kind of feel ultimately we might look back and wonder about glycolic. I don't know. That's just my thought. <laughs> but lactic and mandelic and malic are wonderful alpha-hydroxy acids and they're Mm. very good exfoliating small molecule sizes so with the acids that we put into the cleansing we wanted to really put a little AHA that was good and some PHA Mm. so you got that cleansing and even if your skin was you know not good at using acids as a main course you could have them as this aperitif you know on your skin and then take them off and then go into a serum but if you're really then on your journey you'd then go into the morning into a PHA and in the evening into an AHA or a BHA and to me, BHAs are your BHA girl probably because you have this T-zone here and, you know, you have incredibly good skin, a very small pore. So maybe you could be HA to it. You could be HA. I'm somewhere in the middle. Yeah, we you just, are. Yeah. But, but the, in our BHAs, we do salicylic. But salicylic is a very strong acid and can be drying. And willow bark is a natural form of salicylic. Mm. And putting, putting the two together means you, you get that oil because it is... Those are the only oil-based acids, and as a result, oil attracts oil. And they, you know, so that's a really well-thought-through formulation. And then with our PHAs, PHAs, we use gluconolactone lactobionic, which are two brilliant mm. anti-inflammatory kind of acids. It's, a, yeah. it's like an oxymoron because an acid should be taking off the dead skin mm-hmm. cells, but there's something about their hydrating in a way as well as uh, exfoliating, which is, is the oxymoron, but it works. Um, and then serums for the daytime. So we have a very strong vitamin C. And I'm thinking yeah. it's so strong that I feel we need to bring out one that's less strong. You mm-hmm. know, I started in at the deep end because what I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> and I've used vitamin C for a long time. So Boost Up is really strong. And I don't advise people to use it if they haven't used a vitamin mm-hmm. C or have any sensitivity in their skin. And even so to start using it where you really get pigmentation, which is around where the car hits you and your forehead and maybe don't go under the eyes or around Mm. the mouth, places where we have more sensitivity, focus on those areas where you really, but that is ascorbic acid, it's 30%. Wow, But it's encapsulated, so it does mean it doesn't surface irritate so much. Highly stable, we love that. Our newest one is called Plump Up. Mm -hmm. So Plump Up is like, I love um, peptides and peptides I've used over the years for different things and peptides for anyone listening who's kind of new to all these new ingredients to me my analogy would be like it's wearing a pair of Spanx if you feel you're a bit wobbly Mm -hmm. you know because it's going to kind of give you firmness lift you up a bit and kind of make you feel kind of firmer but bouncier Mm. at the same time you know you push it in it comes out again in a nice way controlled way so that's what they do they are the food for amino acids that are the proteins that build collagen and elastane which is what we lose one percent of every year 
So as we lose that, our skin feels thinner. It feels like it drags down. Mm. We start to get a little jowly. And that's yeah. just the course of action. So anything you can do to support the structure of your skin, like the sort of scaffolding of the skin, is what a peptide is. And then we mm. put hyaluronic acid in there in two molecule sizes so that you get some hydration. Heaven. Mm. It's a really... It's it's one of it's one of the formulations I'm most proud of because it is a complex formulation, mm. but it's also a formulation that if you have sensitive skin, you're kind of banished to the upper shelf. You know, yeah. it's like here's La Roche Posay. Yeah. Just be gentle. Boom. And it's like, but I too want to, you know, lift my skin. Yeah. I too want this extra plumpness. I please, <laughs> and uh, plump up can do it because there's peptides are not aggressive actives. Mm-hmm. They're sort of what I call inert actives. They they work on a deep level, but they don't aggravate your skin as their method of working. Mm. Whereas uh, ascorbic acid and acid is aggravating skin in order to make it work. And to an extent, a retinoid is a bit yeah. too, because it's kind of pushing through newer skin quicker. And, and we use something called retinol. Mm-hmm. And there's lots, of, I mean, re- how... how how much have you had to explain what retinoids are? Uh, I couldn't put a, a number or an amount of time on it. <laughs> so yeah. you know this, but yeah. the way I sort of best, the way I best try to explain it to keep it really clear. Whatever is, you say, I'm going to steal this because I would love to be able to explain okay. it in a clear so way. So in our skin, we have retinoic acid. Yep. And retinoic acid is the sort of acid that that makes the turnover of our skin cells. So getting fresh skin cells, and they go over a sort of day period, which can be like 28 days, but it can be also nearly two months. So you kind of, mm. it depends how old you are, how quickly you have that what I call skin cell turnover. Yeah. So exfoliants, once you've got the skin up to top, would kind of take off the dead skin quicker, but the retinoic acid is sort of pushing it through faster. So that's what it does, an ingredient. Now, prescription Retin- retinoids are already retinoic acid. Yeah. So they are tretinoin and differin. And if you have really bad acne, you might be prescribed differin. And if you'll kind of have a good dermatologist who says, here, this is a cheap way to have good skincare, they'll give you a retinoid like maybe a 1% or a, mm. or a 0.5, actually. They'd probably prescribe yeah. 1%. percent's very strong, 0.5. And that you put on and you will have the croissant phase you know, your skin will go red and flaky and you'll just think, mm. for the sake of it. But you might spend a week to 10 days of every month thinking, oh God, this is such a bore, my skin is dry and flaky when I put on foundation. Mm-hmm. Do I really want to do this? And I just think people, are, if they have acne, a prescription retinoid, topical application of a, of a Retin-A is mm. really good for acne. But you know, you don't need to do a prescription one for skin health. Yeah. Okay. So then you've got this minefield of different derivatives of things that will become retinoic acid and they all have a different journey. So you have on the strongest end, you have retinol, which a lot of them have bright yellow Mm -hmm. and retinol converts twice to become retinoic acid. So it converts on the surface of your skin and then when it's inside your skin, it converts again. So that means that it can irritate the surface of your skin. So it behaves quite closely to that retinoic acid that Mm -hmm. you might get a little bit of redness. On the other end, retinol palmitate, waste of money, don't bother buying it. Anything that has it in, it's like crap. It really is. It's just like, it's like marketing speak. Mm -hmm. So little of anything in that it will actually do. Granactive retinoid is lovely. It's more gentle Mm -hmm. and it works really well. And some of those kind of softer retinoid products have granactive retinoid in them. And then the sort of next generation of retinoids is called retinol. And that's what we put in ours. And retinol is 
converting once inside your skin. So it goes in, it's sort of encapsulated so it can go through into your epidermis. And then once inside it converts. So it works 11 times faster than a retinol because it's not having to convert yeah. twice. And yet it doesn't give that surface irritation. So to me, it's like the nirvana of where retinol should be heading. So I hope that explains yeah, retinols. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's the joy of technology and science is that we do have access to these next gen ingredients at yeah, this point. I agree. What do you, across skin and color, this is probably the hardest question to answer. What are you reaching for the most at the moment? What products are your like absolute must haves? Got to travel with them. Plump up. Yep. And when I travel, you have to be very careful on an aeroplane desert about hyaluronic acid. But when I, I do use it on the plane, but then I put on Bounce Back, which is a barrier moisturizer, and then I put on a dry sheet mask on top. Yeah. I will look like Freddy from Elm Street. And You've I don't give a do shit. It. Yeah. Oh, my God. There is nothing it. better like than just the moment you realize that the flight attendants have seen the ev- weirdest yeah. shit. It is the most freeing feeling. Oh, it's so good. Oh. I even take my LED mask on board. Oh, yeah. Same. Good. Yeah, it's yeah. so it's really like, and also I came over on Singapore Airlines and I had this kind of dry sheet mask over everything and literally everything was covered apart from the slits of my eyes and the lovely Singaporean um, air stewardess came up to me and said, very good new mask, thinking it was like a, a COVID mask. <laughs> very good new mask. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Maybe not. Mm, okay, so that's the plain routine. We finish every conversation in the very same way. Mm-hmm. So, Trini, what is next for Trini London? What is next is what it's next. <laughs> <laughs> but what I will say is this, that I was um, in our uh, NPD kind of war room and we just got back from the lab and we were writing all the things on the wall of all the things that we're going to do. Yeah. And there's 20 of them kind of all sitting there. And I was thinking, what order do I develop them in? You know, because mm. we're all at the beginning of the formulations yeah. and we've been looking in different labs in Europe for these really interesting ingredients that we want to get the kind of exclusiveness to so we can really develop. You know, people go from, when they develop products, you'll probably buy products that have been what we call white labeled in the industry, which yeah. is when somebody's just put their name on an original formulation. And the totally other end of the scale is when you work with the lab and they're developing an ingredient, like retinol is an ingredient, which is really new, and you buy the rights to mm. have that ingredient. So that's where we're heading. Mm-hmm. And at the moment where we are is we develop all the formulations in a lab, but we're using ingredients that we buy from other labs, you know, like raw ingredients. Mm. And um, that's how most um, good big companies will do it. So... I then said to people, I did live and I didn't say what they were because that would be like, we never do that. Yeah. But I said, I'm, de- I'm, you know, got lots of things on the table I'm going to develop. So what do you feel? And I've never asked them this before because I've always felt I'm going to bring you something you didn't realize you needed, you mm. know, and, and I've never been that sort of glossier kind of what would you like and we'll make it thing. It's like yeah. I kind of, they trust me because I, I think our, our, our relationship's different. They trust me to bring them something that they need to use. Yeah. You know. So I said, anyway, what would you like? Like, f- you can do this. It's like being able to write your own Santa Claus list instead of being given the presents. That was the feeling for them. So we had like in three minutes, 2,500 answers. It was, it was unbelievable. And there were weird things like 20 people wanted me to do deodorant. Okay, deodorant. All right, that, that right. trust really stretches. But there were a lot of things in there that I found surprising. And one or two of them that I'd put in our product development, like at number 10, I thought, God, there's... 400 people of the Mm. 2,500 said, I really wish you would do that. So I thought, actually, let's push that up. So 
in that regard, you know, that listening to your audience is super important because you want to know what they feel they've resonated with because a lot of these are kind of a part of the family of what we already do because everything is a kind of family yeah. like you know plump up is in a way a family and what does that family identity represent mm. and then how do you expand that family to do things that might be more interesting as well so yeah well what i've taken from that is that there is at least 10 products on that board that <laughs> <laughs> over the next few years some things take a long time oh. to develop Truly. You know, and you have to do rigorous testing. And when you do SPF development, you have to do, mm. you know, FDA development in America for a year and in Australia, they yeah, have a, they tough. have a um, development. So development times of SPFs can be like two years, mm. yeah, two or three years. Worth the wait. Worth the wait. It will be worth the wait. That was Trini Woodall, founder and CEO of Trini London, who you can find on Instagram at Trini Woodall and at Trini London. To read more, you can visit glowjournal.com and for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at gemkwatts or at glow.journal. If you liked this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty and business lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast and thank you for joining me.